Steven Swenson here, and we're going to have uh, a needed discussion about mental health, specific, specifically as it relates to black men uh, and depression and so on and so forth. I think this is a needed conversation because in my own friend groups, I've found that there's different levels of mental health issues going on. But as black men, a lot of times, and I'm not saying other people don't do this, but I know specifically my experience in my community, we have stuff going on, but we call it something else to make us feel better about it, and then we never actually deal with it the right way. So I think this conversation is helpful because what you may find is there may be something going on in your mind or heart or life that might be more severe than you realize. So I think uh, his experience will help start the conversation, and hopefully you can hear some of yourself in this too, or uh, you might hear something that is the reality for somebody you're close to, and hopefully uh, you can be moved to get them the help they need or to be able to support them in a new way. So I just kind of jumped in, but I know your story, but could you uh, bring everybody else in? Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name is Steven Swenson. Um, I'm from Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, I've been an athlete for a majority of my life, high school, college, and I'm a little bit semi-pro. And... Um, I would say as an adult, uh, at this age, uh, mental health has kind of shaped who I've been, uh, talking about mental health and trying to help to affect others' lives and um, transform like kind of how they see themselves and their mental health. Um, I've noticed that the two go hand in hand. Uh, and uh, I would say that's probably it about me. I'm not very interesting. I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm a boring person, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't agree with that. Especially because we had we've had some other conversations, so I think some of the stuff you share is intriguing. But um, could you speak a little bit about uh, you? I'm not sure what year it was, but you did start to see some differences in yourself as it relates to. I know it started with sports, and that caused you to 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 seek more support or uh, or uh, medical advice for what you were dealing with, and you ended up finding a diagnosis with kind of, which kind of changed things for you. So tell them a little bit more about that. So originally, uh, I was I was in college and um, I was in Kentucky. I was by myself. My my brother was out there with me, but we were you know pretty much on our own in a different state. <clears throat> um, I had to get uh, seen by a doctor, a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, in order to return back to school um, on my scholarship that I had. I had to maintain a two point five grade point average to maintain my scholarship, and I had a two point four. So I agreed to go meet with a psychiatrist and, and see if I had anything going on. So why was that stipulation put there? Um, because um, I claimed that I had trouble learning. Mm -hmm. I, I said that it's been like this since high school. I'm not doing this on purpose. Like, I promised if I could get better grades, I would. And they said, okay, so if you have a learning disability, then we'll allow um, you to stay on your scholarship. So well, I was like, okay, well, I'll go. to someone so they can verify that. Right. Okay. Got it. Okay. Continue. So I decided to go do that. Um, I, I went out and met with a psychiatrist in Kentucky. And uh, we sat there and talked for hours. We did this for, uh, I'd say, over the course of three days. Um, I'd say that the, the days were pretty long. It, it was at least two to three hours each day or more. And um, at the end, I filled out a packet um, of information about myself. My parents also received a packet that they had to fill out. 
So after maybe like a week or so, um, I got the results back and um, the psychiatrist said, well, hey, just want you to know I got your results. Um, I took into consideration your parents, uh, your answers, um, our interviews that we did and the interview that you did with the psychologist, um, cause I did multiple interviews. And um, he said, uh, I do want you to know you, it, you, you did test for ADHD. Um, so I will be sending the information back to your school and talking to um, the president because he was the one that was like asking for the test. He said, I also want you to know that you tested for uh, bipolar disorder and an anxiety disorder. And I said, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. But um, I'm going to just go ahead and take the ADHD and I'm going to get back to school. Cool. Mm. And he was like, well, I, I mean, this is something that you want to know and it's something that you'd want to uh, check into. Um, and I said, no, I, I think I'm okay. I, I've never had a problem with this, so I'm good. So I guess he he agreed uh, that he wouldn't really bother me that much about it. So he, he sent my results back and I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that um, I guess w- with this new um, testing that um, I just wanted to know what they expected of me from that point on. And they said, okay, well, you have to meet with a counselor and you need to talk with them um, at least like once a month. Hmm. So I said, okay, I could do that. So I was able to retain my scholarship and I was able to you know, resume school as normal. Um, I met with the counselor once a month, but after the first month, I met with the counselor once a week. And the once a week came from me because I started to experience more, uh, I'd say symptoms of bipolar disorder, but I didn't understand. And I didn't label it as bipolar disorder or anything like that. I didn't label anything as depression. Uh, I just started to feel more stressed and I started to feel like I was kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. So I just asked if I could just meet more often and talk about things. She started, the, 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 um, the counselor started to pull away at this ball of yarn that I that I had um, that it, it seemed like it was tangled up really, really bad. And I'm talking more, more so about my mental health and my emotions um, and, my, and my emotional maturity. And I just wanted to talk more and more about like what was going on. I really needed more support. So I wanted to meet with her once a month. Um, then it, it turned into once a week. And then next thing you know, like I'm crying in counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I began to just seek more support in that way, uh, visiting her more often and um, e- even telling my brother about what was going on to the best of my ability. I didn't really understand 100%, but I wanted to try to communicate that as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a, there's a lot there. So you're doing sports and your grades were slipping. So... And you thought that it was a learning issue. So they wanted to verify that so that you could continue. And through them verifying that, you ended up getting more than what you bargained for. So Correct. there was ADHD, but also bipolar disorder Disorder is what it's called? Yes. Okay. So before I get too far ahead, because I've had an experience th- uh, with someone with, with that diagnosis and it looked quite a, quite a bit different, so I'm curious to your thoughts about that. But for one, there are a lot of uh, there is a lot of misinformation I think about these different things, whether it be bipolar or depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or you know people hear all these different things, and for many of us who aren't educated, we might think they're all the same. Yeah. 
So could you kind of shed some light on the specifics of what bipolar disorder is generally, but then how does it play out for you? Um, generally, bipolar disorder is um, it's displayed by, by two, I'd say two varying positions. Um, one being a mania where you're really, really high. Um, for me, that was like doing things that were really, really creative. So like I published a book and in 72 hours, I typed the whole book out and I didn't sleep. Um, I don't remember everything that happened, to be honest, but I just remember that I was up for three days without sleep. Um, a lot of people see that as creative, so they see it as good, mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily a negative label. But then when the depression hit, um, I was down for three weeks. And um, there's the, a, a depressive state um, that... It's it's like the two kind of go hand in hand. It's like, oh, you you're you're doing great. It's a mania. You're all the way mm -hmm. up through the roof, and then there's the depressive state where you're all the way into the ground, and nothing can really get you out. It seems like, um, let's say somebody were to tell you, hey, you just need to be happier, or you need to think positive thoughts. Yeah. Like, no, it's not uh, it's not an opportunity for me to think positive thoughts. It's actually something that I feel like I can't control. So it it plays out in my life in various ways. I've um. I've run from things before uh, because um, I felt so strongly about something like, um, okay, so let's say, I say I got a new job and the job was really, really stressful and it drove me into a depressive state. Like I literally wouldn't get out of bed for like the next few days and most likely I might lose that job. Mm -hmm. And um, it's caused me to have multiple jobs. Like I don't know about anybody else. I'll speak for myself and my experience, but I might have held maybe like 12 to 15 jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 31, and I'd say I started working at about 23 when I, when I finally left school for good. And I've held, I've held maybe 10 to 15 jobs. And most people are like, I've, I've had the same job since, you know, I left out of high school or since I, I graduated. And I'm just like, yeah, well, I didn't. You know, it plays out for me in, in various ways, but that's probably the main one. Okay. So... I know sometimes what I found is we don't take the time to look deeper into things. And I think in a roundabout way, you ended up getting exposed to something deeper, not necessarily intentionally, but it just came out because of the, the testing, because of the school. Mm -hmm. But I know that if we have dealings with people, a lot of times, whether I'm experiencing someone who's acting a certain way or that person's acting similar to how you describe we would just write it off as, oh, that person's just moody. Yeah. You know, and it sure. would just end there. Um, so I'm trying I'm trying to figure out, like, what do you think is the line between, because if someone really is just moody and you say, hey, I think you need to go get a mental health evalu you know, evaluation, that could be offensive. So it's like, how do we determine, because once again, even my communication with you, and I've communicated with you in a variety of settings, I wouldn't know beyond you the fact that you told me yeah so there's not anything and i'm sure in some cases it is very visible but in other cases it's not so how do we investigate in a way without being offensive because once again i feel like more often than not we're probably undiagnosed mm -hmm. but how do you create that conversation without being offensive well let's let's really chop that up then um i think that's a, such an important question how do you do it without being offensive? So first of all, in 2020, everybody is so um, 
it's like it's like you need to be on mute to to please everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing to you. Right, get canceled. You, you can get canceled. Like, let's let's not worry about that when it comes to mental health. Um, let's really just talk. Let's let's really have a heart to get to the bottom of things. Um, for instance, in, in relationships that I've been in, my relationships I'd say have ended after three months. After being with somebody for three months, my relationships have ended. And it wasn't just that, um, I, and I guess the reason why I even thought about it was because it was three months every single time. Hmm. And I started to notice, like, maybe I'm the problem because I'm the common denominator in all these relationships. I've dated all these different people, and maybe, like, it's me. So if somebody would ask me, like, hey, you seem moody. You know, are, are you moody? Are you, are you, do you need a, a diagnosis for something? Like, do you need to go see a doctor? Like, I might have been offended for a second, but, like, maybe I would have gone and actually done mm-hmm. something. Um, I might have figured this out a lot sooner mm-hmm. um, than instead of at 24, 25. I might have figured it out at, like, 18. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, let's not really worry about offending anybody. Let's let's make sure that we ask questions and we have a heart to, to get to the bottom of things, that we don't mind speaking the truth and love, um, and that we try to be understanding. So if we approach it with that mindset, I think that um, we'll even develop even better friendships. Because the people that are dealing with something, the people that I've I've become the closest to are the ones that have been in the thick and the thin with me uh, when it comes to my ups and my downs. You know what I'm saying? Not the mm-hmm. people that were like, well, I don't want to say anything because maybe, you know, he might get mad or yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. So um, to, to touch on the relationship piece, um, just because it my, my ears are itching to talk about it, um, after three months, I might be done with a relationship and just play. Like, no, nah, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't work for me. But I never sat down and really thought about like, what is it that causes relationship to end? What is it that um, drove such a strong, you know, point through me to be like, hey, I'm done. Um, and sometimes it could have just been that maybe I was really, really depressed, or maybe I was just feeling really, really emotional, and maybe I felt some type of fear, and it drove me to completely cut something off. But, but maybe this person was actually healthy for me. Maybe this person was um, someone that was helpful. Maybe they were intelligent, well-rounded, and maybe they could have been beneficial to me. But no, you know, I, I just immediately shut things down. No questions being asked. Um, nobody delving into my personal business asking me, like, hey, is something wrong? Uh, it, it takes a lot to be able to step outside of a situation and take a step and say, hey, is something wrong after somebody wrongs you. You know what I'm saying? It's more so like, Oh, you wrong me? Well, I'm done with you too. So that's how my relationships kind of ended. Like, oh, I'm done with you too. Then, um, I, I I actually wish somebody would have said, hey, there's something wrong. What's going on with you? And even try to pull more questions out of me. We're not all counselors, so I would say it might be difficult to even be that um, emotionally mature. Mm-hmm. But it's advice that I would give and hope that somebody could take it and run with it. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying just kind of bump the the PC culture around this because it's, it's it's so important that we need to go ahead and be willing to potentially step on toes for the sake of addressing something more directly. Yeah. Um, so I get that. I think that's, I, I would agree with that. I've, in my own situations, I'm, I've always been the blunt friend and the friend that's willing to sacrifice the relationship for the sake of the other person. So if there's something I need to ask you about or confront you about because it's hurting you, I'm willing to bring it up even if it's going to make you be mad at me. Yeah. And I think also having friends like that, I think it's good to have people like that in your corner because otherwise you'll end up in a cycle that only damages you because you never get, 
you never confront the issue. And you never see your blind spots. Right. So and people, I mean, and there are some people that naturally are able to see their own. More often than not, we need somebody else to say, hey, you tripping. Yeah. You know, but if you don't have that, then you'll just be in a perpetual cycle. Right. So I wanted to hit on that because I think many of us, and you, you mentioned the relationship aspect, but I think it plays out in romantic relationships as well as friendships, jobs, and even with parents and so on and so forth that many of us never stop to look at why things don't last. Yeah. And once again, I think as men, we kind of sum it up to, well, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's that simple, but we never stop to assess what we contribute to uh, situations that don't last as far as relating to other people. So I think that is how we can land the plane with this conversation is talking about how this this diagnosis for you, and then generally speaking with other people, how our lack of self-awareness can end up damaging other people. Yeah, It's not just our personal thing to decide that we want to ignore, because what we don't realize is if we ignore something within ourselves, just because we're, we're ignoring it doesn't mean that it's not damaging the people around us. Right. So we'll be back in just a minute to have that conversation. And we're back. So I want to take this time to talk a little bit more in depth about what you mentioned previously. So going back to your, your diagnosis uh, bipolar disorder, you mentioned, you said manic phases and depressed phases. Yeah. Uh, those are two ex extremes. Yeah. So what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Like what does a manic day look like or a manic moment? What does a depressed moment or day look like? Um... On a day-to-day -day basis, I've noticed that mania can look like um, something really, really simple. I can be obsessed with something that I'm working on. So with social media right now, I know a lot of people are trying to throw up content or um, they're trying to put up workouts or something like that to get everybody to follow them. And they're sharing all this information stuff like that on social media now because there's not much to do. Um, but just imagine that's your, that's your lifestyle. You're always obsessed with something. Trying to produce something. You're always trying to produce something. And it's like, yeah, you, you can be a hustler, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you can't always out-hustle hurt. Um, you can be um, grinding all the time, but like there might be something wrong. And you can always try to like avoid it, but it ne you never really get away. So with, with the mania, sometimes I'll be completely obsessed with something. And, and for me, it's mental health content. And sometimes, I'll stop dead in my tracks and be like, yo, I'm dealing with this right now. And it takes me a long time sometimes in that cycle to realize like, oh, I'm high as a kite right now. I'm, I'm working on all cylinders for no reason. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll even be uh, distracted at work thinking like, oh, I need to do this next. So what I'll do is I'll sit down for a quick second. If I'm doing something at work, I'll sit down for a quick second and I'll make a note to myself. This is what I need to do next. This is what I need to do next. I'll send myself an email. And I'll write out the thought that I'm having. And I, and I used to think that was just being efficient. And I thought that that was being a genius, you know, that, that Kanye level genius type mm -hmm. thing. Um, Walt Disney. Walt Disney, <laughs> right. Bill Gates. Um, yeah. But I started to notice, like, no, something's wrong. I'm obsessed right now. And I need to stop and I need to figure out what's going on. Because one thing that I've, I've um, strived to be is balanced. And I've noticed that when I'm not balanced, something's wrong. The mm -hmm. depressive state can be me, like, sleeping all the time. Um, me not being interested in putting up any content whatsoever. 
um, me not uh, really trying to do anything with my social media, me not putting out anything at all. Uh, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm sleeping a lot. And it takes a while for me to even realize I'm doing that. I, it, it might take me a couple of weeks. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, I have literally slept on my lunch break, you know, for the whole entire week, and I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. I just thought that I was tired. So there, I, I'd say, like, the two ends of the spectrum, um, they don't seem very noticeable, I guess, because you could just be doing something, and then next thing you know, you have a trail or a habit or a pattern where it's like, oh, I've been doing some stuff that seemed really obsessive. Um, and to be honest, even sleeping every single day, you know, during my lunch break or sleeping too long or 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 whatever, it can show up obsession as well because it's like, why do you feel like you need so much sleep? You're going to bed at 8 o'clock at night. You know what I'm saying? So, so I want to come back to the extremes that you mentioned and how those play out. But before coming back to that, I wanted to zoom in on this idea of, did you say you can't out-hustle hurt? Is that what you said? Yeah. So when I hear that, I'm thinking whether it's a mental health issue or an unresolved issue where somebody did something that hurt you and you never dealt with it. I have seen that many guys try to stay busy and try to be as efficient as possible And it's not just for the sake of being efficient or making money or accomplishing something, but I really think it's to get away from something else or to prove a point. So I wrote about this in my, um, I have a book coming out talking about the ideas of how we perceive black masculinity and, and fatherhood and things of that nature. And one of the things I discussed was if when a guy has a kind of tumultuous relationship with his dad, he pursues something I call spiteful success, which is when he's aiming to just kill it at life, at work, at everything, in order to kind of prove value to a dad that abandoned him. So it's kind of like, see, you abandoned me, but now you should regret it. Look how successful I am. Will Smith, I think, alluded to something along these lines recently in an interview with Sway, I think. Uh, But that's in regard to broken relationships, but I think it can apply a lot of different areas, specifically as it relates to a, a mental health issue, too. So could you speak to that a little more? Yeah, so um, I'm going to try to touch on both of them, try to be clear. One being hurt, um, mm-hmm. one being mental health. Yeah. So with the hurt, um, through counseling, I learned that I had mommy issues. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue that I had mommy issues until um, it played out a little bit in my relationships, where if I feel like somebody hurt me or I feel like somebody... Um, did something that wasn't in my best interest that I completely leave them. Um, it, it's, it's played out in various ways, to be honest, but I realized, like, okay, I got mommy issues. So one thing that I did was I would strive to have uh, relationships that worked, like whether whether it was with older women or whether it was somebody my age or whatever. Um, and when I felt like I couldn't get that, I would trash the whole thing completely. I wouldn't see anything beneficial to it. But I realized, like, Man, you know, my mom was kind of hard on me. Um, you know, my, my dad was working 24-7, and my mom was really the only person that was home. So my mom was playing bad cop and good cop. And really, I just saw bad cop at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, any woman that is hard on me in that type of way uh, where they got to give me tough love, any woman that um, can be a little forceful but, you know, try to be firm, like I kind of have always viewed that as, like, not disrespect but more so... Um, 
just a, a characteristic that I choose to stay away from. Um, but sometimes that could just be a part of their, their characteristic qualities. And if tough love is something that you need, maybe they're just being honest enough to give it to you. But instead, I've, I've been like, hey, yeah, this isn't working for me. I'm good. I'm gone. Um, so that's played out in my relationships. So cut, cutting it. Yeah. Cutting it off. Cutting it off. Mm-hmm. And just because you saw that while you were growing up doesn't mean that as it perpetuates as an adult that it's the same thing. You, It's almost like you're, you're remaining a child and you're trying to stay in control of something mm-hmm. so that it doesn't turn into that. Yeah. Does that make sense? You don't want to feel the hurt again. You don't want to feel it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it drives you to fear. And I, and I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder as well. Um, I almost drowned twice, um, once at five and once at 19. And whenever I feel overwhelmed, whenever I felt things were too much, I've run. So in these cases, if I felt like, oh, this is turning out to be somebody like my mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gone. When you see I'll, a sign I, of that. My information ain't even there to be found anymore. I might even mm-hmm. move. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, this might feel prying a bit, but I do think is it will be helpful just to see someone else think through it. And maybe, you know, you can enlighten me because it might be like, well, it's not that logical. But, like, this is how I think. I'm just a very logical person. Not to say that I don't have emotions, so I'm not trying to distance myself from that. But to me, I just think I need to do what works and what yields the right results. And for me, I've been through things too, right? Have relationships that have gone bad and I don't want to feel certain things again. But I've also found that it's too extreme to just cut people off at the sight of a negative trait or a red flag because any relationship is going to have red flags, difficulties, so on and so forth. And yet I've done it over and over and over. Yeah. So it's like my thought process is, well, why continue that reaction of cutting people off if you if I know that long term I can't keep doing that because then I'll end up with nobody. Yeah. Because somebody is going to do something wrong. It's just the nature of relationships. Mm-hmm. So why continue if that isn't a long term solution? Fear has driven me to do things that have hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with anxiety, it's, it's like... Um, the, the waves and the water washed over me and overwhelmed me and I wasn't able to deal with it and I panicked and I freaked out and I lost my mind. You know what I'm saying? In that moment. In that moment. Mm-hmm. And when it came to the same thing happened to me in real life but just kind of figuratively being overwhelmed, it, it being too much, it's caused me to run in fear and fear has driven my actions. Fear has never um, rendered any positive results. Uh, it's never... Uh, helped me, it's never advanced me, it's always hurt me. So why I continue to do that? Fear. Fear would drive you to do it. Is the fear of being hurt greater than the fear of never being able to have, uh, to maintain a relationship? Fear of being hurt is uh, worse. It's worse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Why do you think that is? Well, if you never talk through it, you'll mm-hmm. always be afraid of what's behind that door, but mm-hmm. you don't know what's behind that door. Yeah, sure. And when you open the door, it could be nothing. Right. You you could see a yeah. long shadow being cast by an animal, a teddy mm-hmm. bear, um, a, a Lego or something, and you just see this long shadow, and you're like, oh, this is something huge. It's something I can't deal with. Mm-hmm. You open the door, it's a tiny teddy bear. You open the door, it's a, it's a puppy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, now going back to the the different extremes 
So I have friends who I think exhibit traits that would in some cases be considered traits of someone who's depressed, but I also don't want to run up on one of my friends, but I you depressed, you know, I don't want to just throw that label on people either. But there are some, some things that I think, not just in my friend group, but I think generally speaking, that um, are concerning. So there's a page on Instagram called The Real Depression Project, and they post a lot of content. And what I thought was interesting is they posted a, 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 a post about self-confidence recently. And they said that these are healthy ways to, to build self-confidence and these are unhealthy ways. And they said on the post that an unhealthy way to build self-confidence is sexting a lot of people. That's an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, you know, I, I reposted it because I always try to post not necessarily controversial content, but content that makes us, us think. So I reposted it because when I think back, though, at different points of life, a lot of guys I know are sexting multiple women. Mm -hmm. It's just the norm. Um, and if it's not sexting, it's normal texting. But being in contact with multiple partners is just a way of life for many guys. Not all, but many. And the, the post went on to list quite a few other things that are unhealthy ways of building confidence that I know are just normal things or quote-unquote normal things that we think are just this is the way it is as a, as a man so you experiencing it uh, more directly than I what are some things that you would say that we kind of need to flip on its head that are considered normal by us but that actually might be something more that we should look into a little deeper okay um I would say uh one one major thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna use myself as a reference. Okay. Um, do you know any guys that make split decisions a lot? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it could be considered normal. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I, I just made this huge decision real quick. Right. Like, okay, that is. And it's called healthy. being kind of a boss, uh, being uh, knowing what you want to do, being confident, being bold. That's how that is labeled. Yeah. And no. Um, <laughs> I think that wisdom, I, I, um, I, I really think that wisdom is something that we should strive for. I think that having a multitude of counselors, like there's safety in that, being able to talk to people and getting multiple perspectives on certain things that we're going to do. Um, I moved to Florida, uh, after thinking about it for an hour, um, in 2010 or something like that. I just up and moved, got all my stuff, purchased a ticket for the auto train and moved to Florida with a friend. And I'm down there with my boy, and I'm just like, all right, well, you know, we're here. And the relationship kind of went sour. And I was just sitting there by myself at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, did I think about this at all? But it was cold up here. You know, it was a blizzard at the time. And I was like, well, I can't wait to get away. You know, I just want to move right now. Um, I had nothing going for me up here. Um, that's how I felt. But had I talked to one person and just voiced these things out loud, they might have said, you have a lot going up here. You know, you have this job that you're working and, you know, you have this project that you're working on. Like, why? what makes you feel that way? And I might have had no answer for them, but that conversation never happened. I just took what was in my head and I just did it. Went with it, yeah. And people was like, oh, that's what's up, Steve. I see you. You know, you moving or whatever. Like, congratulations. 
Um, when people noticed that I was gone, they was like, wow, you just left. And I started to get negative feedback from people that were here. I was like, what? Then one person said, um, you'll be back in a week. And I was like, what? Oh, so this person is negative and they got this negative thing to say about me. I'm going to strive and, I, and it's, it's not going to happen to me. I'm going to make it prove out here. Wrong. Oh my gosh, I did not prove them wrong. But I was driven by that for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely just up and left. And and I think the split decisions um, don't show strength. I, th- I think they show weakness. What about... So it's, it's funny that I'm bringing this up because we're... Uh, let me go ahead and put this out there. I'm that we're that committed to to putting out content for you that we are. Uh, this is still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, but we have made a point to commit to uh to to putting some content out for you guys. So just know that you're you're loved. But we're supposed to be socially distancing right now, and that reminds me of the idea of social isolation, which I've learned is a common symptom of depression. I know a lot of guys who take on the idea that kind of a part of being a man is being a, a lone wolf and call it being introverted sometimes and just kind of being off to yourself. And that has long been a standing thing that I think we've thought is just it's just the way it is. And sometimes that can be the case. But I also know that there are several situations where there's something more to that. Have you seen and in your case, the idea, because you mentioned it a little bit, how the distancing during the more depressed phases, although it might be working for you, have you come to an understanding of how that affects other people in your life? Yeah, I have I have noticed how that affects other people in my life. Um, social distancing now is for your health, it's mm-hmm. for your well-being. When you are social distancing um, on a regular basis, and and this is not even an issue, no coronavirus whatsoever, mm-hmm. it doesn't benefit anybody. It actually mm-hmm. doesn't benefit you, to be honest. Um, almost cutting yourself off from everybody else, it actually hurts you. Um, if you're away from the pack, if you're isolated, if you're by yourself, typically you only have your thoughts to recycle. You only have um, your perspectives to, to look at. And that's it. That's not That's never a safe place to be in. Um and I guess, like, you know, how, how does that play out in, in real life? Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of guys, honestly, that um, that distance themselves by, let's, okay, let's look at habits. Like, do you smoke a lot? Do you drink a lot? Like, during the week, would you say you smoke, you know, three times a week? Would you say you drink three times a week? Like, these are negative things that people don't really see. They, they, they see it as normal. But, like, you've been isolated. All you've done is smoked and drank, like, can we talk about this toxic behavior? And it's kind of hard to even reveal to somebody that's toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. Or asking the why. Like, I know it's been a lot of times we don't really like asking the why. Yeah. It's like, it just is what it is. It's I uncomfortable. Like, it. like, if you ask somebody why they drink, why they smoke, well, I like it. Then it's that simple. <laughs> There's nothing more to it. Why are you asking? Right. Um, but I think asking the why is something that will be beneficial for all of us. What um, What would you say has been something that has outside of obviously the testing that was acquired from the uh, from the school what would you say would be something that kind of opened your eyes to uh, these issues more 
outside of yourself, but just in, in a general sense, because I know you're an advocate for these issues beyond just your own personal health, but you're, you're wanting to educate others. So what moved you to, to go beyond just, I need to get help for me, but I need to educate other people. Okay. So I noticed a couple things after it being pointed out to me. So I don't want to act like, you know, I, w- I was ahead of the curve. My mother said that I, I, I was very moody. And she said that I would have strong mood swings. And I was like, no, you know, my mom just got on my nerves or my mom just bothered me all the time and yada, yada, yada. But when I started to have strong mood swings, um, dealing with bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. pointing back to that, um, when I started to have strong mood swings, I realized, oh, I need help. Okay, I kind of see what my mom's talking about. I kind of just blew up on that person. And I used to view that as normal. Oh, no, nah, that person made me upset. So would being balanced mean that you blow up on the person? No. Being balanced says, hey, you just blew up on this person. You need to go apologize. Um, that was not a normal reaction to something. Um, having a strong mood to isolate myself, like, just completely. Like, you asked, like, what's the why? Like, if somebody, if, 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 if you were to ask what the why is, you, nobody really wants to ask it. Why did you isolate yourself like that? Oh, I, I was just really upset or, oh, you know, I've just been kind of low lately, but I, I should be fine. Like, no, that sounds like it might be a deeper issue. Um, Does, does that make sense? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. So we have a little bit more I think we can get to. Give us a minute. I'm going to be right, right back. So we can land the plane with this. And I really hope that this is helpful for those out there because... As men, oftentimes we we hang out with each other. We spend a lot of time together, but sometimes we don't have harder conversations. And what I have observed is a lot of times if we do open up emotionally about something that may be going on, even something as deep as a mental health issue, it might just be put on the woman you're dating. So it's kind of all on her, which is, which is pretty heavy for one person. So I, I hope to get to a point in our culture where men are having more in-depth conversations about these things and not adopting this kind of alpha mentality that says suppress everything because I just think that's that's stupid. Uh, so in terms of interpersonal relationships, friendships, and, and so on and so forth, I want to take some time to, to point out some things that may be red flags, some things that might be worth having an additional conversation, pulling your homeboy aside. Like, you know, maybe you should look into this. And I've and unfortunately, one of the few situations where I feel like we do confront each other is when it has to be really extreme. Like if somebody maybe hit their girl in front of you, it has to be really extreme for another man to be like, "Yo, what, what you doing?" Or right. to to push. But it shouldn't have to only be that. But there are other things that I think should concern us. So I have some uh, that I'm thinking of. But for you, what are some red flags that you think in friendship should should spark a conversation? So a couple of things we might have talked about, but just um, expounding on it. So noticeable mood swings, mm-hmm. um, noticeable uh, toxic behavior like bad habits, um, relationship issues that you might feel like are recurring. So yeah. I'm going to try to touch on them briefly. Uh, in a relationship, um, you might notice that this dude is, is through with ladies very quickly like oh no nah, I'm done I don't like that or I, that's not something that I'm trying to deal with you might just want to ask why 
like, okay, why is it that that's something that's causing you to shut everything down? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oftentimes, it's happened to me and, and the people that I've, I'm close to, they might have met a young lady that I was dating. And, you know, they didn't really ask me why. I guess they, they might have saw that as respect. Like, yeah. I'm not going to pry. Yeah. But, like, let's say somebody would have pry. Like, why did you do that? Like, why, why do you feel like that's the case? Oh, because I don't like it when she... And that might have been the only issue. But you completely packed your bags and ran. Yeah. Um, noticeable habits. Uh, like, what like what habits does this person have that might be toxic behavior that you observe? Um, I mentioned smoking and drinking. But also, let's say, um, behavior that tears this particular person down. Um, I like to exercise. I think that's a habit that builds me up. But, like, you know... It could be, are you obsessed with it? Or it could be, why do you eat ice cream every day? You know that's not healthy, right? Oh, no, it's cool. I just really like ice cream. And like you said before, um, I just like it. It's an answer that you might get. But that doesn't make it a healthy alternative to something. Yeah, you can like something that's unhealthy. And sometimes (laughs) you might be putting that in the place of something. Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling my pain, I eat my feelings. I think the young ladies, um, they'll kind of mention that before we will. Right. Um, then we're running to food at times. Yeah, yeah. I've I've yeah. been running to food and and I kind of disguise that as just I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. No, you you ate two pints of ice cream today. Yeah. What's what's going on with you, man? Yeah, I have a friend who's on a really big health kick, health journey thing right now, and he didn't notice it at the time. And I remember at the time nobody really wanted to do anything, say anything because we knew he was going through it. But he gained about forty pounds pretty quickly, and it was shortly after his parents got divorced. Um. And once again, as men, it's just kind of like, well, I'm not going to be like, hey, bro, you're getting fat. You know, it's just not a normal conversation we would have. But yeah. now we can look back and say, hey, yeah, you were in a bad time emotionally, and you were just kind of being very inactive and eating. And now that he's on this health kick, he can he can look back and say, yeah, I was. But now, in hindsight, we're able to say that. But I wonder what could have been done in the moment. Most know, definitely. Um, and, and that's like the opposite of a mood swing or a split decision. Mm-hmm. It's a decision that, like, tears you down over time time. and i think that like we won't notice the two of those things we won't notice the split decision we won't notice the toxic behavior uh we won't notice how it's tearing a person down over time um and i think it's because we don't pry Mm -hmm. but like if you see it if you see a red flag you should say something yeah like oh hey uh, i'm just noticing uh i haven't seen you at the gym in a while or hey listen don't be mad at me. All right, it looks like you gained a little bit of weight, though. Somebody mentioned that to me. They was like, your, your face is looking a little chubby. And I was like, man, don't talk about me like that. <laughs> and then they said, well, hey, I just want to let you know that I care. And it was like, um, I, I just noticed it looked like you're gaining a little bit of weight. Man, they were so right. And I was so sensitive about it. I gained, like, 15 pounds or so. And, yeah, I was working out, but I was also eating a lot. And at the time, I was eating my feelings. And when they pointed it out, it kind of almost brought me to tears. You mm-hmm. mentioned something extreme needing to happen for us to kind of say something. That was an extreme response for me, and I was just like, "Yo, do I have a problem?" Right. But it could have been it could have been dealt with on a much smaller scale. Like, oh, I I'm putting away an extra meal a day. You know, like is, is everything okay? I'm not saying that three squares is what everybody needs. Maybe you need four or five, and maybe you need your macronutrients and your micronutrients or whatever. But let's say we're just looking at things from a normal perspective. Like, yo, you you had five meals today. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and I'm talking about asking myself. 
Um, when it comes to other people kind of on the outside looking in, it's like, hey, is everything okay? I've noticed this. I've noticed that. And I think that that's really important that we kind of point those things out because sometimes we don't even see our negative behavior or our toxic behavior. I would add to, I agree with everything you said, but I would also add, yeah, you mentioned just the kind of the frequent relationships. And once again, I think as men, the assumption is, well, you know, we're men, we like women. So if I have a new relationship every two months, that's just normal, right? Oh, yeah. And it's like one that. Well, no, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it, you know, we, I don't think we consider the effect we're having on the, the women we're pursuing. We kind of, if you're replacing them like you do underwear or t-shirts, you got to recognize, I said this in the last episode, they're people, not things. So mm-hmm. you can replace that shirt and not worry about the impact. But when you're replacing people, there's an exchange that's going on that you may not realize. Mm-hmm. But I would also add to it that I thought about this. Oftentimes I feel like the assumption is as men that we're always ready for a relationship no matter what that's just something we're always prepared to do i know men in jail they have girlfriends on the outside and they started their relationship in jail it's not like they were dating he went to jail no they got in a relationship while they were in jail there's guys that get fresh out of jail and have a girlfriend before they have a job Mm -hmm. um there are guys who just had a divorce new relationship there's guys whose finances are terrible, but they're trying to get in a relationship. And it's not to say that everything has to be perfect, but I do know that a lot of times because there's no vetting for us in terms of being ready for a relationship, that we put ourselves in those positions regardless of whether we're healthy enough to bring someone else into our space or whether we're actually, as Aaliyah would say, a positive motivating force in their space. We Most never really things. consider that. Mm-hmm. So I would just add that, like, we don't think about what effect am I having though? Yeah, I feel like I'm ready for a relationship, but am I ready for that? Am I ready to accommodate what that person's expecting? Or is it even wise for me to do that right now? Yeah. I, and, and, you know, so, and I, I would say once again, as men, oftentimes we don't ask those questions. Yeah. You know, I, I, I very rarely, because I'm typically the guy that's being progressive and doing abnormal things in friendship that are, are challenging that aren't really normal, but I haven't really seen anybody else say like, yo, six girlfriends last year? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe not. And, and that's <laughs> been the case with me before. Mm-hmm. And nobody asked me about that. Yeah. I, I'm not saying like, hey, it was on them to ask me. Yeah. Like, I really wish I could have taken some time and looked to see. It would have like, been helpful for someone to say something to you. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, And just to add to that, mm-hmm. um, this is not nearly as deep as what you just said, but, uh, the jobs that I've held, like, yeah. I wish somebody would have asked me, like, yo, you, you had six jobs last year. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Um, did you burn a bridge, you know, yeah. at this particular job? Or did you have strong relationships at this job? Did you feel like you were fitting in? Like, what what's wrong? What's making you want to leave? Oh, well, I'm just not feeling it no more. Or it's too stressful. All right, are there ways that we can help manage your stress? Like, it actually might be more beneficial if you keep that job. Not because, oh, you're making the amount of money that you want or whatever, but like maybe having that job for two years looks better on your LinkedIn profile. Maybe it looks better on your resume. Mm -hmm. Because people have asked me about my jobs. Listen, on my resume, there's like four jobs. There's supposed to be 16 there, but there's four. Because I can't explain, you know, what happened. Oh, I I left this place because of this, and I left that place because of that, but I'd be a good addition to your team. Nah, it don't work that way. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. Yeah. 
So I, I want to thank you for joining me to to open up this conversation and bringing us into your world too, because I do, I do know it takes a lot to reveal what some may perceive as a weakness, but I think the strength is in owning it and then having a plan for dealing with it rather mm-hmm. than than ignoring it. So I'm immediately thinking of there may be guys listening who are feeling a way, good or bad, and maybe have questions, maybe need more insight, and they may not have someone in their friend group that they feel like they can try to unpack the conversation we've started with. Or they may have genuine friends who really are cool dudes but just not mature enough to handle certain things. Yeah. So I recognize that dynamic happens at times. Sometimes, you know, your homeboys are good for some things and not for the others. And, you know, hopefully they grow over time. So please uh, give your socials out for guys that may feel more comfortable just kind of hitting you up to ask about, hey, I'm, I've been thinking through this or I may, I may have this. What are your thoughts on this? So that they have a, a place that's not directly connected, but they can at least get what they need from someone who, who has an some knowledge of the situation. Yeah, um, th- you know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate being able to talk about these issues and um, just bring them to the forefront. Because if I can make somebody else ponder and think, um, if I if I bring up a topic and it and it causes them to immediately go to something that's going on with them, I think that's really really positive, really healthy. Because you might not notice something's wrong until somebody says something. Oh, I deal with that too. Oh shoot, like yeah. oh maybe I need to rethink this. Um, so thanks for having me and. Uh, for anybody that really, you know, might not have the type of resources they want, whether it's counseling or good friends to really talk to, please reach out. Uh, I have a lot of conversations, so you wouldn't be the first. Um, so don't feel like, you know, there's anything wrong with it. My my Instagram handle is um, Stephen with the PH, the speaker. So Stephen, the speaker. Um, you can find me there. You can even email me if you wanted to. I know that's really outdated, but <laughs> um, in case you want to have a longer conversation, uh, or you really just want to type out what's going on with you, you can find me at stephenthespeaker at gmail.com. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for your time. This has been the Whole Brother Mission Podcast.